So ask questions, get to know them, find out what you have in common, mm-hmm. right? Look for the positive in other people. And then it becomes a back and forth conversation where you have things in common and you feel like you have vested interest in them and vice versa. <laughs> Welcome to the Lost Art of Parenting podcast. I'm Dr. Douglas Peak, and I am your host on this particular podcast that is designed to help encourage you as a parent. You need a little encouragement, you need a little support, but most importantly, you need skills. This is a skilled endeavor, and the better you are at developing your skills, the better and more incredible experience you will have as a parent. And so our chief skill developer and coach and resident (laughs) expert is with us today, Kim Cross. Hello, everybody. So glad to be here. Yeah, it's just a really great time. We've been uh, discussing some really specific things about your role as a parent. And once you get these kind of four big critical needs under your hat, it really gives you a lot of uh, guidance. It gives you a lot of focus on what you do as a parent, the kinds of things that you want to develop within your children. Oftentimes conflicts and meltdowns and stuff are happening because we really haven't navigated these four critical needs very well with kids. Isn't that correct? Absolutely. And they are critical, meaning they will actually put themselves or you in harm's way to get Mm. those needs met. Wow. So they are foundational to building and raising a very healthy kid in all the different facets of how we define health. And today we're going to talk about the, the third one, We've talked about security and unconditional love and affection, Mm -hmm. Um, but today we are going to talk about belonging. Belonging. Wow. That's a big one because we have, we are social creatures and we're designed to be in community and kids grow uh, within families, which is a community. So let's get a definition of it. Well, it's big. So definition of having a sense of belonging means you feel safe, Mm -hmm. you are accepted, you feel included, you are supported. And what I call you can bring your authentic self to the group. Authentic self. That's huge. You're not pretending, you're not not who you are. So it's a, it's a little balance between, I have to be a part of this group and I need to find a way to fit in, but I need to fit in authentically. I can't be a poser, so to speak. Right. I need to be myself. Be yourself. And we learn through others who we are mm-hmm. and we learn about others. So that's important. And yeah, then okay. it's, it's also belonging is unconditional. So it, we're not judged by how we look, how we perform, our mm. grades, anything like that. We are accepted unconditionally and that is our authentic self, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and there's, in that definition also, there's a sense of purpose or being a contributing member to the mm-hmm. group. It's mm-hmm. not just I wear the t-shirt or I have the hat, Yeah. right? Um, there's there's much more to it. I'm a contributing, needing, needed, valued member of the group. Mm-hmm. And it helps answer questions about our life like, do I matter? Does what I do matter? And does my life have meaning? Yeah. That's, that's important. Yeah. And that happens in community. And as you know, psychologists have kind of studied this is that we work out 
this in the developmental process very, very early on. Absolutely. And we do it in, in conjunction with being around other people. Mm -hmm. We don't do it in isolation. And so it really, you know, in order to be, that, this is why a family is so important. Mm -hmm. And this is why when families go through divorce, we realize that some of you have been through divorces, that you're trying to blend a family. And the, the point here isn't to feel guilty about it because as you know, I said, guilt doesn't really bring any value to the situation, but you do need to be aware of its impact. And uh, what it does is it really undermines that sense of trust, you know, security and security. And, and so this is why so many kids are growing up, not having any meaning or purpose in their life because people uh, went through divorces and then they didn't do anything to try to mitigate the impact of that on their kids. They just had a cavalier attitude. Well, kids are tough and resilient. They'll get over it. Well, actually they don't. So you really need to kind of consider this and you need to really consider the essence of belonging and why it's such a critical need for kids. Absolutely. And we're seeing that through this last couple of years with COVID too. Mm -hmm. Kids being in isolation, not being able to go to school, not being with friends. So that this piece of belonging is huge right now. And being able to share your hopes, your fears, your feelings, your opinions, your input with other people is, mm -hmm. is huge. And so kids really, they, they, they need to talk. Well, about what age do kids really need to start learning how to articulate their feelings about things? Young, really young. And mm -hmm. sometimes they don't know what they're feeling and we can guess. I always say, guess at their feeling. You seem sad. And they'll say, yeah. And then tell me more. Right. Yeah. If you're wrong, they'll correct you. They'll correct, no, they'll, I'm mad. I'm mad. <laughs> no. So, so, so belonging is a part of the process of helping kids articulate those uh, feelings and emotions that they're having at a very young age. Yes. Feelings, emotions, thoughts, beliefs. Do I matter? Do, does what I do matter? It's, mm -hmm. it's huge. And, you know, like you said in the beginning, we're created to be with others. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So belonging goes beyond feelings. It's also quality, meaningful, intentional time together. Yeah. And that we have some shared interests, some shared values, maybe some similar beliefs, but it validates who we are and discovering who we are through others. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that this is one of the biggest things is that families uh, need to emphasize and focus on these are our family routines. Mm. You know, we, this is when we get up in the morning, this is who makes breakfast or how we do breakfast. This is how we do school. This is what we do after school. And I, I think these things are very valuable. And I think one mistake that parents will make is they rely on the public education system or any school system for that matter for the routine. And then May into May comes first of June. And then it's like all summer long, no routine at all. Chaos. It's chaos. <laughs> and it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. It's very important to always prep for the next routine or the next stage, even for Christmas breaks, I think, because it's important. This is what we're going to do and how we're going to do it and blah, 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 blah. Set expectations, have predictability, have routine, right? Those yeah. are all spilling over into what we talked earlier about sense of security. We always debated in our house for Christmas break and summer breaks, wake up times. Oh yeah. <laughs> and even during the week versus weekends. Yeah. So <laughs> yes. like, you know, when they're younger and now when they get older and they got into high school, you know, late, you know, juniors and seniors, it doesn't, you know, 
that was something that's you know not discussed anymore but prior to that uh when they're real little we would say well you need to stay in bed up to this point you know <laughs> so your parents can get sleep. yeah so it's got to stay in bed you know or stay in your room and play or read or do whatever you know yeah. until 6 a.m or something like that kids are like i gotta play i just gotta play you know i can't i gotta start early so when they're young it's you know staying in their room later but then as they got older there's a switch that happens you know it's like okay you can't sleep till noon yeah. in the summertime <laughs> That's just we not going to fly. We have things to do. We have things to yes. do. So, so then it became, you got to get up by this time. So, <laughs> so that was always a discussion whenever the breaks would come, you know, summer or winter breaks or whatever. It was like, okay, we have to discuss the get up times. Expectations. Yeah. Yes. But that's really important is that because you need family routines and you need family, uh, time together that's meaningful in whatever shape or form that you want it in order to establish and meet the need of belonging. Yes. And one of the things I like to talk about is that can be defined pretty broadly. So, mm -hmm. um, activities, projects, um, solving problems, eating together, working together, creating together, all those things we do as a family or as a team and we accomplish it together. And mm -hmm. that really leads to a tremendous sense of belonging. Mm -hmm. And I don't care if it's building garden boxes or picking up dog poop in the yard, right? Yeah, do stuff you're, together. You're doing stuff together. Yeah, do chores yeah. together. You know, if you, if you, we were always big advocates, you know, we always eat dinner at the exact same time. We did too. And, you know, everybody's there. So we eventually said, okay, everybody's got to contribute to getting the family meal ready and then contribute to cleaning it up. Correct. So Correct. those are good things. I think if your kids, if you really want your kids involved in sports, it's very important not to have a mentality of just drop my kid off and then come pick him up. But you know, volunteer as a coach, volunteer as an assistant, vol you know, be out there with them doing it, trying to look at what they're learning and then talk to them about it on the way home. Exactly. And that's called time together. Mm -hmm. And we need more of that. Yeah. You know, I, I like to talk to parents too about how do we belong? Mm -hmm. How do we do that? Yeah. Right? How do what we do that, it? What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So it's connecting to others, but, and not being so self-centered. Mm -hmm. um, we can't, turn inward and just make it about us. That doesn't work. We've got to be mindful of others. We need to get to know others. We need to make an effort. Yeah. And I like to say that we need to be interested, not interesting when we meet new people. Okay. Because yeah. if you meet somebody and you just talk about yourself, the other person's kind of glazing over like, well, what about me? Yeah. So ask questions, get to know them, find out what you have in common. Mm-hmm right? Look for the positive in other people. And then it becomes a back and forth conversation where you have things in common and you feel like you have vested interest in them and vice versa. And I believe this is really important in building communicative bridges with your children. And that when your children are younger, you know, you say, uh, you know, I mean, as a dad, you know, one of my sons would, would get involved in, you know, sport or something, you know, like take skiing for instance. And, we'd say, you know, do you want this? Do you want that? No, I like this color. I like that. And so I, instead of going, okay, I'm just going to get him, you know, a jacket that color. I'd go, well, why do you like that color? What is it about that color that you like? What, what, what do you compare it to? And da, da, da. And I looked at it kind of this is that my kids were my clients. So if, 
So like when I have a client or I have a person that I want to minister to, I want to do the best I can for that person. And the way I do that is that the more I know their likes and dislikes and in their proclivities, then when I offer something, it's going to fit better with them. It's right? getting, getting to know them. So, yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't want to know that my son's, you know, favorite color is blue. I want to know, well, why is it blue? Why do you like that? And it's really interesting because my, my kids, my t- I have two boys, and they are so different in their orientation toward life. And the other one is is a little bit more like, the first, oldest is like me, he's a little bit more utilitarian. And it's like, why do you like these shoes? And the shoes, you know, well, because they're really functional. You know, they're like really, they they achieve this function really, really well. They fit. They're very, yeah, utilitarian, (laughs) you know, they fit well and they're comfortable. I can move in them, but they also grip really good. And And then my other, my younger son, you know, he he went through a shoe phase. He had, I think, 15 pairs of shoes. Let me guess, because they they looked cool. Yeah. And and he goes, and and he was like, well, I go, why do you like them? And he goes, well, see, look, that does this. And I go, why? I don't quite, so I'd ask him all these questions about this. And he was, I don't know, he's probably, nine or 10 years old. And he goes, dad, aesthetics are more important to me than you. Form versus function. Yeah. And I, I just died <laughs> laughing and I go, I, I, I kind of knew that, but I was just like, so funny. He's using this big word to tell his dad. And so, but I'm encouraging you dads. I encourage you moms is don't just try to figure out, Oh, my kid's favorite vegetable is carrots. My kid's favorite activity is soccer. It's like, well, why do you like soccer? What's so fun about it? Who is it that makes it fun? What are the things you don't like about it? Because what you're trying to do is you're trying to figure out as much as you can about your kid. And why do you like Legos? Why do you like these type of Legos instead of those types? What do you like building the Legos? Do you follow the instructions or don't you? I mean, I would just pepper my kids with these questions when they were young and it gets them when they're young talking, right? It, it teaches them how to formulate their, well, what do I like about it? What don't? And so that was really critical. And I think this is important. It was really critical because then when they got into middle school and high school, and now they're dealing with a lot bigger decisions and bigger problems, I would ask them questions about, oh, you got in a conflict with this teacher and it went really bad and you ended up in the principal's office well, what happened? Well, what did they say that you didn't like? What did they say that you did like? How could you have, and they were used to answering questions so they didn't get angry and defensive right off the bat. So that's called building a communicative bridge. I talked about Legos and soccer and skiing when they were younger, so that when they're in middle school, you could talk about conflicts and problems much more effectively. You you dug deep and dug, dig and, deep. and you asked questions and you got them in thinking mode yeah. versus fighting mode. Yeah, which is yeah. really good because if you have a lack of belonging in your life, you know, and, and if you have to talk about something difficult with your kids, their defenses mm-hmm. are going to crop up because they say, well, I don't feel I belong. So talk about what happens when they get defensive because they feel like they don't belong. Well, they it, it lowers their sense of self-esteem. They feel isolated. They feel rejected. They don't feel like they're worthy. They're disconnected. Okay. And when you're disconnected, you become an island. Yeah. And that's, that's not healthy. Um, like, have you ever been left off at a sports team or not invited to a party or mm-hmm. not part of a group? It, it hurts. Yes. Right? It's difficult. It's difficult and it's, it's painful. And so belonging is crucial, not just, um, for 
how we feel about ourselves and others, but it's, it's linked to our, our satisfaction in life. Mm-hmm. It's linked to our physical health, our emotional health, our well-being overall. Um, it's linked to resiliency. Mm-hmm. It's a huge, huge piece of the four critical needs that I don't think people realize how important it is. Yeah, and belonging is really, really important. And we're seeing the aftermath after COVID. Yeah, boy, it's devastating. Devastating on kids. Absolutely. And isolation can can destroy your mental health, your physical health. And actually, there's kids who've, it's led them, unfortunately, to illness and even suicide. Yeah, it's terrible. The the numbers on it are really, really bad. Now, so so how do we counteract some of these proclivities or tendencies? Um, Let's say somebody did, they, you know, it's like through no fault of their own, uh, they ended up divorced and now they're trying to figure out, man, how do I meet these critical needs that critical need of belonging, or maybe their kid was uh, in a state where they shut down schools and they refused to open them and they see these proclivities. So what are some tips to build belonging and to meet that critical need to develop children into emotionally healthy adults? Yes. Well, it starts, this sounds really simplistic, but the way I approached it was I had very sincere and positive hellos and goodbyes. Mm Mm-hmm. As my kids left the house or came back in, I mean, it was it was a big hug and it was a how was your day and it was a reconnect. It was questions mm-hmm. and it was conversation. Right. So it started pretty innocuous that way. But I continually would give them positive feedback, not empty feedback, mm-hmm. but tried to, to give them positive feedback on what was going on, what character traits they had, hard work that they put in. Um, I would observe that they really had made some effort. Um, and I'm, what I hear a lot is kids feel very criticized. Mm. They feel like all they hear from their parents is everything they do wrong. Mm-hmm. And that will beat a kid down as well. That yeah, makes you yeah. feel isolated and like yeah. you don't belong. And, and it, so I tell parents, stop criticizing. You can teach, you can redirect, you can, you can, they can learn something different, but don't focus on the negative. That, that's yeah. not productive. That's um, really important. I, I, I want to emphasize how important this is, is that you should, every parent, you should find five things about your kid that you love and, the, and this is very important. It's not flattery. Right. You know, oh, you're the most beautiful person I've ever met. No, no that, that's just flattery. You, you have to put a little effort into this, folks. You know, put a little energy into it and just say, it's really interesting how my child does such and such in a certain way or whatever. And what you do is you find five things, right? And then what you do is you point out the value of those five things. And then you take it a step further and you ask your, your child to come up with five things about themselves that they think. That they like, yeah. And you do it separately. I do this all the time with clients. And then you say, you know, a set of time when we're going to come together and kind of compare our lists, right? Yeah. And it's really fun when there's overlap. Mm-hmm. Because now the kid says, wow, I see it in me and you see it in me. Yeah. Boom, there's belonging. There's a connection, Right. Yeah, and, and you can and add to the list. And that's one of the things, you know, I mean, I, I just try to be affirming, you know, to my kids, even my adult children, you know, and you find a proclivity that they had and you always just say, man, I love the way you are. And I think as dads, this is something, if you're a dad, you need to put this in your repertoire of things to say is you need to say, I am proud of you because. Make it specific. I am proud of you because, and then give a specific. And that is, I'm proud of you because you were respectful when you got in trouble. I'm proud of you for that. 
not proud of you for getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we don't like what you did. We yeah. still like you. <laughs> but I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud of the fact that you, you know, didn't throw a fit, but you were respectful and you didn't use derogatory terms towards the authority. I, I I'm proud of you for that. But I, I think that's important is that if you're a father is that, you know, to say, I am proud of you because, mm-hmm. you know, and so I, I think that's a big deal. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of different people that have grown up in our church that don't have fathers for one reason or another. And so whenever something big happens in their life, like they might graduate from high school or graduate from college, or they have some achievement, you know, I send them a text and I say, you know, I, I knew your father. Um, if I knew him and I would say, uh, he would be so proud of you because you graduated from school. You've done that a lot so, for my son. It's yeah. very powerful because boys really need to hear that from their dads. Yes. Um, and if, if the dad has died or is out of the picture, um, there's an, there's a big hole there for mm-hmm. those young men. So yeah, it's, it's powerful. And, and beyond, you know, not being critical and telling kids that you're proud of them and being specific and pointing out meaningful um, and honest attributes and efforts that they've made Mm -hmm. is just spending time together. Yeah. We've got to learn to spend time together and not doing what the parent wants to do, but like, you know, now that we're getting to know our kids more and asking Mm -hmm. questions, we spend time doing what they are interested in what yes. they want to do. That makes them feel like they're valued and they belong. Yeah. I played a lot of, you know, when I was, you know, my kids were up at a lot of Barbie and, you know, <laughs> boy, I wasn't fun. I played a lot of trucks. Yeah. I drove, <laughs> then I built a lot of Legos. I have to tell you that building Legos is not my favorite thing to do. You know, there are so many instructions. Oh my goodness. You know, that. And, and uh, now with my youngest, I'm working on cars. Now I enjoy working on cars. So that's a lot of fun. But, uh, the, you know, the, the way you build belonging is you give positive feedback. You spend quality time ask to questions. get to the moon, get ask questions, find ways to say, I'm proud of you. Um, and I, cause I don't believe you can say, I'm proud of you for this, or you do a good job at that too much. Yeah. We need to encourage and provide hope. We've got a crazy, scary world out there that yes. is focusing on everything that's going wrong and doomsday and what's not working. And it, it's just, it's having a huge negative impact, not just on kids, but adults too. We all feel yeah. it. So we need to provide hope. We need to encourage. We mm. need to point out these kids have gifts and talents and things that we think that they can use in a future career or do something. But if you have a five-year-old at home and you want to be this way, how do you, you know, okay, how do you find out what their gift and talent is? You know, they pick up a microphone and they sing along to Barney. Is Do you like... Oh, you're the next, you know, America's got talent star. Yeah, we don't do that. But we just say, wow, you have a a gift or a talent um, for singing. And you just kind of point it out. Now, if they're really interested in it, they'll pursue it. They'll pursue it. But we have to let them pursue it. We don't want to push too hard and make them do something that we don't. What about the, the, uh, the, I guess it's the stereotypical tiger mom, they call that, that just pushes a kid in some ways and, and, uh, uh, is there any merit to that? Because sometimes kids, you know, w- one of the discussions that I've had with my kids when they're little is, is like, you can do whatever you want, 
But the one thing you got to learn is discipline. That's right. Uh, it, you you can. It, I don't care if you paint paintings or you write rap songs or you build cars or you do spreadsheets, sell insurance. You know, you're a rocket scientist. It doesn't matter what you do. If you're creative or you're a math person or anything in between, everybody's got to f- complete a project. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be done. It per- well, and we're going to talk about chores in another podcast mm-hmm. because chores teach work ethic, perseverance, grit, tenacity, yeah. and it's also linked to academic achievement. So chores are a huge piece that can start at age three, and we'll we'll address that. But so, how do you address like you know you have a eight year old and they've had a proclivity for something, and you see a proclivity of them as a parent. Um, uh, they kind of want to pursue it, but because of maybe emotional immaturity or maybe they're lazy, you know, sometimes kids are lazy, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, how do you push? Well, you, you, I don't know that you push, you encourage, you provide opportunity, mm-hmm. you cheer them on, you remind them that they're good at it, but we don't make it into their entire uh, being that mm-hmm. doesn't become their whole identity. Right. But you will sit back and watch. Do they like practice? Do they show up on time? Are they enthusiastic? You'll know if it's something that they're going to pursue pursue or not. Um, So you kind of ask, what is my child actually spending their time doing? It's huge what they're spending their time doing. And who are they spending their time with? Okay. That's a huge one. I always say, if your kids are with peers all the time, they're not getting wisdom. Okay. Because adults provide wisdom and, and maturity and life experience. So if your kids are spending too much time with peers, probably not good. Not good. If okay. they're not spending enough time with peers or friends because they're isolated, not good. Mm-hmm. If they're spending too much time on screens, there is a balance, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So we can find that sweet spot between school and friends and sports and family time, but you've got to carve it out. You've got to make it important and you've got to make it special and you've got to make it fun. It doesn't always have to be fun. We can do weed the garden, right? That's not necessarily fun, but you have to carve time out so that you are spending time with your kids as a group, as a family. So you, let's say you have a uh, five, six years old child. How much time should they be spending on play dates with other kids? They're not in school yet, right? So this is like preschool age, maybe early kindergarten. How much time a week should they be spending on play dates and group things with other kids? Depends on the kids. There are kids who are extroverts and could do it all day long. Okay. Right. But we still need to curb and carve out family time. Right. Okay. Then there are kids who are more introverted and they need that downtime or that alone time. That's how they recharge. How they recharge. So if you know your kid, you'll know if they have a meltdown, <laughs> they might, they might be needing a, some little quiet time Yeah. Um, or they might be feeling too disconnected. You will navigate that individually with each child, but every, every day I would say with my kids, they probably spent about an hour after school with peers, whether it was in person or on a phone, but mm-hmm. homework and chores and family time took the precedence during the okay. week. So that was kind of elementary school. What about middle school? school? What about middle school? Cause that's a big shift. It's a big shift, but be careful because if they get in with the wrong group, you are going to head down a bad path. So know mm-hmm. the friends, know who they're hanging out with, what they're doing. Now right? in business, there's this big principle. It's called hire slow, 
fire fast. Mm -hmm. And I apply that to your kids' (laughs) friends when they're in middle school and high school. And that is be really slow. It's like, Hey mom, I'm going to go, I want to go over to da, 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 da. And we had this policy and I would encourage you if you're a parent to employ it and to say, well, before you go over to somebody's house, you go hang out with somebody in middle school or high school, we have to meet their parents That's first. Right. Get to know them. Yeah. So if they weren't in the church and I knew them, we would go and we'd go over their house and meet them. And then in my, our meeting, say, well, what do you do? You just say, hi, I'm such and such. And I'm this guy's dad. Can our kids play together? No. What you do is you say, hey, can I get your phone number? Here's my phone number so that if your child is ever at our house and anything happens, I can immediately call you. And I'm not... You know, because you never know, house catch on fire or there's a problem or something like that. Or if your kid's with us and something happens to you, like your wife, and or, or you have to go, you can call us and say, hey, can you take care of Joe a little bit longer? <clears throat> yeah. You know, so you, sh- you swap phone numbers for emergency purposes, and then you tell them your ground rules. Your expectations, your values, your ground rules. And what I used to do is not let them go to the house initially. We would decide to meet at a park. Yeah. Or do something, you know, after school or meet somewhere where you kind of have a conversation, get a feel for who they are and, and mm-hmm. vice versa. Right. Yeah. They're hopefully they're vetting you, too. <laughs> yes. Well, like in middle, I think in elementary school, this is really important when you meet, you know, parents of other kids and you just say, oh, by the way, we don't let our kids watch PG movies. And then they're like, oh, okay, that's cool to know. Mm -hmm. And so we just want, and you could always, I always phrased it in a certain way, you know, being a pastor allows you to do that a little bit. But I'd always (laughs) just say, hey, I just want you to know that at our house, we don't allow our kids to watch PG movies. So you never have to worry about your kid watching an inappropriate PG or PG-13 movie at our house. Correct. And so what I'm really saying is, don't be showing that stuff to my kids. Right, right. exactly. <laughs> but you could do, you, so it's, you can take all the awkwardness out of it. And this is what we found whenever we do this, 90 some percent of the parents are like, we want you to spend more time with those kids. Right, because you're a good influence. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. like, wow, we like that. So, but then in high school, it's different. I, I've noticed there's two parts to high school, okay? There's pre-driving and post-driving. <laughs> so true. <laughs> That's a massive shift because- <laughs> Pre-driving, you're like the Uber driver for your kid, right? You take them to everything. And then finally, it's like, oh, they're going to get a driver's license. It's so nice, it's, right? It's freedom, but it's also responsibility, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh. With great power comes great responsibility. Yes. So talk a little bit about that shift. How much would you allow a pre-driving kid to spend time with friends and talk about a post-driving teenagers spending time with friends? Well, we're probably unusual because my whole thing during all the way through high school really was that kids were spending time with family more so than peers because they had plenty of time with peers at school and in sports. Yeah, that is true. So during the week it was, you were home with family, Mm -hmm. right? After school and sports were over with. Yeah. And weekends, we always had one day with the family. We'd go boating, we'd go for a walk, we'd do projects, whatever it was. And then they could have some time, you know, after church or something on a Sunday. But we mitigated some of that peer time because they mm-hmm. get a lot of it as it is. They get a lot of it at school. They yeah, really do. They do. Yeah, so. And with sports and activities. Anyhow. But next, these things are really important for belonging. See, what we're talking about is all of these different practical things that you can consider how to implement in your own family. Because when you meet that core need of belonging, 
you're going to find your child growing, maturing, and thriving. That's right. And next time we're going to talk about that last piece of those four critical needs, which is a healthy amount of control. And that's a big one. That's a big one. So don't miss our next podcast on how to help your child meet the critical need of a healthy amount of control. And so thank you, Kim, for giving us some skill development, our resident expert. And we are signing off on the lost art of parenting. Thank you.